You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, we're Ben. Start the music. <laughs> is there no music? No, there's no music. Is this is this what they call in the business a cold open? A cold open, brother. Hey, this is the hey, gravity. Man. This is the gravity leadership podcast, and uh, this is a cold open, meaning the the fancy schmancy. And you've a lot of you have told us how much you like our intro music, and I just have to say that 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 warms the cockles of my heart because uh, I fought for this music. Music matters, right? The music matters. Yes. Yes. Yes, it, it really does. It You're, does. It does. You can. Yeah, so this, anyway, this episode that we're going to get to in about 40, 50 minutes here uh, is on uh, men and women working alongside each other in ministry, and you're going to meet Ron and Emily McGowan on this episode. We've never done this before, but we thought we'd record this little disclaimer, this little tag, because astute listeners we'll hear something interesting in the recording, something that happens real time that we want to comment on to flag it for you before you hear it. So Ron, yes. Ron, uh, Ron McGowan is here with us to record this little tag. Ron, you want to share uh, what people are going to hear? Yeah. So uh, I think the, the most amazing thing is that you're going to get a chance to hear my wife, Emily, and I um, – do life. Like we have this conversation about living life together on a regular basis. And in real time, you're going to hear me do the very thing that I'm fighting against, which is, <laughs> which is elbow her out, interrupt mm-hmm. and do all the things that I'm fighting, that I'm fighting against. Um, and so that, that's one thing that thinking about recording the podcast you're even going to get to hear the MDiv Matt Teddy um, <laughs> give a give a loving rebuke to me because I gave him permission to, mm. yeah. and it was in that saying, "Hey, Ronnie, you're interrupting. I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. You're interrupting." It was in that that I began to reflect on other times. Mm. So, not to not to demean the, any of that. Emily and I, on a regular basis, have talked about the fact that. She cannot always be the one defending herself. She can't always be the one saying, stop interrupting me. Stop, you know, to, I'm saying to other people. Right. Right. 
Right. So in turn, I have kind of, I don't want to say taken that on, but, but to, to, in some way to kind of give her an out for not doing it, I do it. I just mm-hmm. jump in and I say, stop interrupting. <laughs> and I, yeah. But in doing that, right, in doing that, I find that I also elbow her out in the conversation, right? And wanting to say, hey, here's two things that men have to do. Mm-hmm. Well, in doing that, I've interrupted her specifically when Matt says, <laughs> Hey Emily, tell me two. Th- tell me some things that are going on. Yeah, I jump in. You know, because yeah. I think I think that it, it has to be. I have to be a person that that defends women because she can't always be the one that says, "Okay, well, let me tell you five reasons that women can be pastors." Yeah. So let mm-hmm. me see if I got this right, Ron. You hear from yeah. Emily uh, regularly that she gets a little weary or tired of having to always validate her calling to other people. Yes. So to defend herself, yeah, absolutely. So basically, yeah. when you have to give an apologetic to to like live and move and have your being the way that God's called you, it can become right. uh, exacerbating. Yes, right. And so um, you've heard that from her, and so in trying to care for her, you you want to be her champion, or you want to come alongside and sort of you want to pick up that banner when she can't. But what you realized is that in this conversation, you're about ready to hear uh, it, it went from being a champion to sort of you you kind of. Uh, eclipsing her in a way. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I want to share with you that, A, I'm really glad that you decided to sort of flag this for us so we can hear our learning in real time. And when I say mm. our, I mean, this is this is something that's happened to me over and over and over again. Uh, <laughs> no, it, it really is. I mean, I've never, yeah, sure. I've never yeah. met a conversation that I didn't think needed my voice. So there's a sense in which I'm all too ready to center my voice in any conversation with even with dudes, with women, doesn't matter, uh, with pets or fish, he can't ever speak. So there's this always happens to me, and I just want you to know the way we learn is by you helping us understand how to own it with grace and move on and move forward, yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Sternke, if you have any thoughts about that. No, that that about captures it for me. I'm really glad that um, that you, yeah, that you wanted to record uh, this little, uh, I guess, disclaimer, um, because w- like when we talk about learning real time, like we're really, <laughs> that's not just like we aren't uh, being like pious. We're not, we're not being hu- humble. Yeah, we really you know, are idiots. With air is what we're saying. Yeah, yeah, we really are learning real time how to do these things. We're not very good at it yet, and um, we're learning, you know, when the record buttons. Uh, you know, recording bits and bytes. And um, so we want to just flag that for you guys. So yep. You can right. and I hear that happen. Also, not to interrupt. Um, yeah. only just <laughs> Go for it, Ronnie. <laughs> yeah. It's just us dudes. You can interrupt us. <laughs> yeah. No, no. It, it also works in other areas, right? I mean, to be the kind of people that say, um, I want to have the kind of character that falls on my face and that owns it and that seeks forgiveness and receives reconciliation. Yes. Right. Yes. I mean, this is the kind of person that I want to be. I want to yes. be the kind of person that falls on my face and says, "Hey, you pointed that out. I noticed it. I totally screwed that up. I I desperately need you to forgive me. Mm. Um, receive forgiveness and then press on because I'm yes. going to fall on my face again. Yep. Yes. And I want to be the kind of person that knows that. Hey, you know what? When I do that, um, I can be. I don't have to worry about um, being. You know excommunicated and slandered and all that stuff. I can be the right. kind of person that is open and vulnerable and says, man, you know what? I missed it on that one. 
I don't yeah. want to be that kind of person. Thank you yeah. for pointing it out to me. Let's yeah. move on because I genuinely want to be. Yes. I, I want to look more like Jesus every day. That's really the kind of heart that I want to have. Yeah. It's beautiful, bro. So let's embrace that and let's move yeah. in. So you're going to yeah. hear me fall on my face. Please forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You are forgiven and loved in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're, yeah. And you're, it's a big uh, deal. It's important. Yeah. So thank you guys for taking the time to do the discipline. Yeah. 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 And that, I mean, there's a whole podcast episode there, I'm sure. But that's the difference between like a call out culture where yeah. like you can't mess this up or you're going to be like shamed. Right. right? And, and a Christian culture which is one where there is forgiveness, like humility. We can actually forgive one another and own our, you know, mistakes, our sins, you know, Absolutely. our weaknesses. We can actually be with one another like that. So that's, that's, uh, I'm, that, that's one reason I'm glad we're recording this. I think there's a profound difference between a call-out culture and a, and a truly Christian culture where we can sure. actually make So here's your 15-minute introduction to a podcast. I know, I know. It's podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like we could talk to you all day, Ronnie. All right. I Thanks, know. Ronnie. Uh, hey, thank you guys. Yep. Cue the cue that sweet, sweet music. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a community of people seeking to live our lives in the orienting center of God's love in the midst of our post-Christian world, learning to lead like Jesus, live on mission, and make disciples. In nature, gravity is the phenomenon that brings stuff together, objects as small as atoms and quarks and as large as stars and galaxies. We believe the gravity of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. The Gravity Leadership Podcast is curated conversations on what it looks like to practically orient our lives and our leadership in the love of Christ, the gravity that holds everything together. This is the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Welcome back. It must be Tuesday, and you are listening to this as, as soon as it comes out, I'm sure. Yep, everybody's as waiting normal. until 6 a.m. Eastern time. I, that's when I schedule them for. <laughs> that's, why, that's why I get up that early on mm-hmm. Tuesdays. I actually listen sometimes to podcasts in the shower. Do you ever listen to podcasts in the shower? I don't have a loud enough speaker to hear it. Oh, I've got the, one of these little sound bars that's like waterproof. Oh, it's great. I need one of those. Yep. I would love to listen to podcasts in the bathroom. Come shower favorite. with me sometime, Ben. Well, we can listen to pa- maybe we, we can a, discern that. Okay, we yeah, have, we have a bathtub. Yeah. Oh, well, then it would be fine. Treat yourself. Yeah. Hey, speaking of treating ourselves, today we have some really good friends of ours who are going to share a little bit about. We're doing this series about men and women in ministry. Mm-hmm. What we're learning. I'm not even sure if we've gotten to what we're learning yet. But uh, we're gonna we're all doing we're telling, some learning. We're telling a lot of stories. It's, we're trying to figure out what we're learning. Well, I I do have some learnings, but I want to listen more before mm-hmm. I start talking. Which is why it's good that we're telling these stories. Yeah, yeah. our good friends Ron and Emily McGowan are in <clears throat> Wheaton, Illinois. Emily is the uh, uh, head uh, head <laughs> dean president of theology and <laughs> mission at Wheaton College. Is that right, Emily? Am I getting yeah, no. it? pretty close? No. Nailed it. <laughs> Emily, what's your what's your title at Wheaton College? You're a professor. You start teaching this fall there, yeah? I am an associate lecturer of theology. I start teaching this fall. Yes. Nice. Nice. Very good. If you're and if you're I, at Wheaton, go take classes from I, the Reverend Dr. Emily McGowan. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yes, and I am the Reverend Dr. Emily McGowan's arm candy. <laughs> <laughs> you are some arm candy, also known as Ron. Hey, yep. hey. yeah, and, Ron. Uh, Ron is a professor's husband. 
That's true. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, Ron and Emily have been, uh, so you guys have, uh, we'll probably tell, tell the story in a later podcast, but you've been uh, church planners. Ron, uh, you're a priest, in, uh, an Anglican priest. You guys have worked alongside ministry together as a man and a woman. You're in a different season now where Emily's getting paid to be a Christian and you aren't. And Correct. so, right? And so, yeah. I'd just love to hear a little bit of your story, um, how, like how you guys how you guys have worked alongside each other. I mean, this isn't a newsflash for people. Sometimes it's difficult being a woman in full-time vocational ministry in America. Like there, there are some complications and challenges and obstacles that uh, Emily, maybe you can see that Ron couldn't or that we can't. So I'm just curious, like you guys met in college. Uh, tell us a little yes. bit about that. And then also tell us a little bit about how you discerned being in ministry alongside each other. So we met in college, and I was really drawn um, to Emily because, one, she wasn't looking to get married, which a lot of women in the, at the in, our in our circle, in my experience, were looking to get married, you know, and so on. So we kind of met that way in college. And then she's really, really smart. And so I wanted to rub up against that mentally, like help me, help me get smarter. Hmm. Um, because my undergrad was, you know, I was in ministry. That's really all I cared about. I didn't care about academics. Uh, I cared about preaching and serving and teaching and, and all that jazz. His, his motto when we met was D is for diploma. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> and, uh, and I got two of them, so, <laughs> so take that to the bank. Yeah, right? but, uh, and, and to, to my credit, if I could say so myself, his undergrad GPA was like a two-point something. His master's GPA was a 3.9. Oh, yeah. So, the Emily effect. Emily now, effect. and the, you know, I take a little bit of credit for that because for my, for my master's degree, I got to do all of the focused training that I wanted to do. So I was actually doing the things that I cared about as opposed to arithmancy and um, you know other wait are we even hogwarts i was arithmancy you know, wow arithmancy you know yeah. and uh, yeah so anyway anyway yeah so, so for, but from that now in that kind of and this is where you probably would be better to, to speak just because you are of the female gender um, <laughs> it i didn't realize or it just wasn't on my radar to be aware that women weren't uh, allowed um, to do certain things. Hmm. Like at our school, it was, you could be a missionary and this is, I'm learning this only because she's telling me that you could be a missionary, but you, you couldn't be a pastor. She could help me be a pastor. Mm -hmm. She could feed me sermon illustrations or insight into the Greek text or insight into the ancient near Eastern world or into into the Hebrew text, but as long as I said that it was okay, she just couldn't say it. <laughs> so, so living into that, I mean, I guess that's just what we grew up in. Like, or for me, I did. That's yeah, your, that, that was your growing up. How did you grow up, Emily? Well, I actually grew up in a very secular household. I became a Christian as a teenager out of um, a non-religious family. I was the first Christian in my family, and um, and so, but. but 
like we were Southern Baptist, the church we went to was Southern Baptist. It was yep. one of those Rick Warren style, um, seeker sensitive, purpose driven mm-hmm. mm-hmm. type churches that didn't tell you up front that they were Southern Baptist. But like when you took the, the church uh, you know, membership class. classes, yeah. you yeah. found out. So I didn't know there was another way to be Christian. This was my only exposure to the gospel. It was the only context I knew huh. Christianity within. So I accepted the limitations that were given to me. I mean, I kind of pushed back against them for a little bit, but then just sort of realized if this is who Jesus is, this is the kingdom that he's started, this is the way the church works, I'll just be okay with that because mm. I wanted to, I still wanted to be a Christian. So, <laughs> yeah. and, and I didn't start following Jesus till I was 16, but I was raised um, in an abusive household and in turn by a single mom and my grandmother. So I started following Jesus in a Southern Baptist because I'm from Texas. So you either were Methodist or Baptist in our small town. Yeah, yeah. you came by it honestly. And, what you're saying. And yeah, so I was uh, the the um, the Baptist church was next to the school. I was invited to go after church and really had a genuine after school. Yeah, and um, went for the pizza and genuinely had an encounter with Jesus. Yes. So from that, I was at a conservative Baptist school. And uh, at a conservative Baptist church, which in turn was a conservative Baptist college, which kind of informed all of the other things that were there. Mm -hmm. So you're you're discovering these uh, these things that Emily can't do, even though she's uh, stinking brilliant and and really gifted. Um, How how was like how did you navigate that, Emily? Like your call into into sort of being a, a vocational minister, but also these doors or walls that you just accepted as true? Yeah. I mean, so I just, I accepted that pastoral ministry wasn't for me. Mm. And that's honestly what I did. I I just sort of assumed that I was wrong and that the gifts that I did have, the skills I did have were for academia only. And the feelings that you had needed to be conformed into. I needed, they needed to be used to support him in ministry. So um, after we met, that's, that's just sort of what I concluded. Well, I must have all these gifts to help him mm. and then I'll do the academic stuff. That'll be my thing. I'll do the academic stuff. He'll do the church stuff. Um, but you know, over time we started serving, to, we got married, started serving together, you know, and it was probably when we got, when I started seminary, um, I started doing an MDiv at Truett Seminary at Baylor and I got to meet women pastors <laughs> And was like, oh, like there are women who love Jesus and are listening to the spirit and who are still insisting that they're called to be pastors, not the children's pastor, not uh, some sort of support staff, but like the pastor. Mm. And um, that just kind of rocked my world. We had settled into accepting the limitations that were given to us. But then I was in this context where people were not living by those limitations and God still seemed to be at work with them. Um, so I started re-examining what I had been taught and realizing that that was not the only way <laughs> to interpret scripture. It wasn't the only way to understand the trajectory of the Christian tradition. And um, I eventually changed my mind on that. And it took him longer to come to that conclusion. And that caused some conflict for a little while while I was in seminary, for sure. <laughs> but what, we, what saved us was the... Was we- Jesus. <laughs> Victory! <laughs> it, it really was though. Like we concluded that he he was going to have to trust the spirit's work in me. Yes, and I would have to trust the spirit's work in him. 
and that he couldn't make me something different or make me change my mind. And I couldn't make him change his mind. We would just trust that the spirit was at work in both of us and, and assume the best of one another. Mm-hmm. Wow. And that's how we got through, you know, a stage where we were on different, yeah. we were in different places about that. Um, so it wasn't until, I mean, my, like my serving with him as an equal, so to speak, we've always been equal, but I mean, truly seeing one another as equals is, it wasn't until we got to the Anglican tradition. I mean, and that's only been a few years mm-hmm. because up until then I was always serving in a, at least it was perceived to be a subordinate position. Yes. So, equal in, a, in ontology, but uh, not equal in role. Right. Separate, but and, equal, if you will. Yeah. And I, so growing <laughs> up with a separate, but equal. Yeah. Our, and so growing up with a, you know, in a abusive or single parent household, I continued to encounter women that were gifted hmm. and that were honest, that weren't, um, What's the word I'm looking for? They weren't douchey. Like a lot of the guys. <laughs> yes. I, I can say that on the podcast. See, that's a PG word. Yeah, yeah. It is a lot of PG word. It's kind we've of PG-13, but... We've quoted Bill Bibbo no in this podcast. I think, I think that's fine. Ron, yeah. just let yourself go. Yeah, it's fine. Thank you. Let your hair down, Ron. So I will. But listen, listen. I, I have served with, with men who were horrible individuals. Horrible. And so the, the thought that that's okay, but because, you know, Emily is a, a, a woman, therefore that disqualifies her. It just, it, it really began to just wreck my brain. Like you are a horrible individual, but because you're a man, you get to do like, it just, it, yeah. it, it really began, I guess I would say in practice, like meeting real people. And it just, it began to just warp in my mind, just, you know, kind of in bit like, there has to be something more to this. So in that process, uh, you know, I guess everyone has a starting point. Um, you know, some run to, you know, I don't give women to have authority over men. And I ran to, we are all equal in Christ and said, mm-hmm. okay, well, if that's true, if there is no male female, you know, if that, if that's the case and that's the, um, if that's the tell us, if that's the, the, the end goal, mm. how can I start living into that? Now in Christ, if I'm really in Christ and the spirit really dwells in me and the spirit really dwells in her, how can I become, become the kind of person that is living into that present reality now instead of just waiting until later? So uh, that really began the transformation for me of being able to take off those glasses and realize, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to intentionally start thinking about this differently and, and encouraging the women in his yes. sphere of influence, including me to live into their gifts and their callings and, and be a voice of encouragement and support. Hmm. So the, when we were at a, a church in Texas, my right hand person was a woman. Mm-hmm. She did everything. She's amazing. She literally loved people a thousand times better than I could. And I thought to myself, not in a, not in a self-promoting way, but you make me and this ministry better. You have to be on my team. Mm. You have to come you have to do this. Mm-hmm. You, you, you have to come and be a part of this. And now at that place, she wasn't allowed to be the head person. Right. 
And whenever I left the church, I told them, if you want this ministry to continue, you have to hire her. So I went from the youth and recreation pastor making a fairly good salary for them to hire her as the youth and recreation director. director. Right. Not a great salary. Hmm. Now it's true. At the time I had a master's degree. She didn't. I had year, I had several years of experience and so on, but that's not what it was about. Right. What was it about, Ron? <laughs> it was it was about gender. That's what it was about. Yeah. It wasn't about qualification. It wasn't about spirituality. It wasn't about leading a team or loving kids or anything that we say that we value. Yeah. It was about gender. Yeah. And when that happened, that's when it broke for me. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I am done with this worldview. And I'm and done. De- well, and not just done with the worldview. He was already done with that view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, I'm done cooperating with this. Yes. Fair I'm enough. not going to like work in churches where that happens. Yes. And I'm not going to let that happen. Like if I have any say in it, mm. we're not doing it anymore. Right. Yeah. yeah. So the church that we went to, there was a, there were um, a, a few women who were pastoring. I thought that was it. Come to find out, um, it was really in name only. And so that attitude now, okay, so now I need to dig deeper and find out more and, and so on. It was a journey. It was a journey. It really, it really, really was. It wasn't like an overnight thing. Yeah. What I hear, what I hear you saying though, is that there's like, we've, we, we can go to scripture and we can like, literally there are probably any number of positions or ideologies we can extract from a biblical text to describe who women are, who men are, how they relate to each other, what they can do, what they can't do. Like, I'm pretty mm-hmm. confident in, you know, this room here of four of us, like, uh, with reverend doctors in the room and uh, people with MDivs, like, we could probably, <laughs> I, had, I just had to get that in there for this podcast, <laughs> yeah. we could probably come up with, I don't know, seven or eight different interpretations that are biblical, you know, with our, right. with our sort of proof text. But what I hear yeah. you guys talking about is, when you actually encounter somebody who's operating in the Spirit of God— in a way yes. that in a way that betrays your interpretation, uh, you you have a choice, right? You either retreat and become insular and withdraw from those people, and convince yourselves that they're on the outside, or you have to reconstruct the way that you interpret and understand things. Yes, like and and honestly, I know this maybe will scare some of our listeners, but uh, I'm always struck by the example of the New Testament church reckoning with their centuries-old understanding that the Gentiles are not a part of the covenant. Yeah. And how their their move from Gentiles, uh, I would never go into a Gentile's house to, well, I guess I get the Holy Spirit too, let's do this, is, is a mystical vision, right? Yep. And encountering, relationally encountering people in a place you would never go before. Right. So, so when God wanted to change Peter's mind about Gentiles, he didn't lead him through an inductive Bible study. Yeah. Right. Right? Which kind of scares us a bit, right? Our tradition, like, that's why we want, we want all our minds to be changed because we've, you know, parsed all the verbs. Yeah. And we've gone, we've gone through the, the, we searched the church fathers, whatever. Mm -hmm. Instead, like, he just encountered the other in a way that disrupted his, his frame and he had to get a new frame. And right. I, that's kind of what I hear Absolutely. you guys. I hear you guys narrating that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And we're and we are we're afraid of experience. Like, oh well, my experience can't inform what I think. Or, well, of course it does. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's of almost course it can, and of course it does. Yeah, so we yeah. we if if we presume that we have objective perception, we are a slave to our subjectivity. Mm-hmm. But if we own that we have subjective perception, that of course experience is probably the greatest influence in how we read and understand. Mm-hmm. Then we can begin to have freedom from it. Yeah. 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 So Emily, yeah. I'm curious. Um, I mean, I could listen to myself talk all day, but uh, I'm always here, and you're not. I want to hear from you, Emily. Like, what? Like, what? Like, what are the? So you're at. Um, <laughs> I could go a lot of different directions here, and I want to be careful because uh, I know you really love your job, and you don't want to lose it. But uh, most <laughs> most of the Christian institutions and structures uh, are not hospitable to women. They're 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 set up in ways that make it difficult for women to lead and flourish. This is my hunch. This is what I've heard women say to me. Is that has that been your experience? And if so, what are some of those things that I that I have a hard time seeing but but are obvious to you? Yeah, I mean so so far Wheaton has been a great environment. I'm not just saying that because I want to keep my job. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one of the reasons that that I was still interested in the position after going through interviews was that I did not encounter many of the I guess you could call them signals that I'm used to receiving in Christian institutions that tell me that this is not a welcoming place for women. Hmm. And I'm talking about, you know, patronizing sort of speech, asking questions about my ability to do the job while I'm also a mom and a pastor's wife. Wait, did somebody Um, say that to you? Oh yeah. Has has that actually been said to you explicitly? In in a job interview. Yes. Not at me. me. Okay. Yeah. We don't have to name institutions or even States. Sorry. Uh, but no, but like that's that was my experience in the past. I, I was wow. used to like perceiving those types of signals, and I didn't get any of that. At yeah. I didn't have a single experience that I thought, "Oh man, here we go again." So that I mean, I'm I'm really looking forward to what it's like to serve in a place where they already have women professors, they have ordained women on their faculty. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure they have plenty of stuff that I don't know about yet, but I feel like all institutions at this point yeah. do. We've been steeped in patriarchy for. Mm hundreds and hundreds of years. Could you, anyway, yeah. Could you, you, okay. So you, you named the word patriarchy. Could you give us like, what, what the heck does that mean? What is patriarchy? And why is it it so bad? (laughs) Um, so patriarchy in the way that I'm using the term is, is male rule over all aspects of life. Um, in a way that is, I don't, I'm not saying that fatherhood is bad, masculinity is bad, or being male is bad, but male rule in such a way that men are the center of what it means to be human, they're the definition of what it means to be human, hmm. um, and that male experience is what should govern the way that our society works, and that we as women, children, as a society should should serve to to benefit male interests and that women should be constructed in a way that is is beneficial to men Mm. i mean that's that's patriarchy so that so that institutions work to serve men um and that's the way it is i mean so i mean patriarchy has been the way it is but then within christian institutions we've also baptized that and said well god designed it that way right Uh, god wants men to be in charge and women generally to follow and this is a, it's a benevolent thing. It's a, it's a loving, benevolent patriarchy. Um, 
And I know plenty of good Christian people who believe that. I just think that they're, they're wrong. Um, I think that the results end up being similarly negative for women and children and men. Yes. And men. Um, so I don't believe the kingdom of God is a patriarchal reality. Um, and I think that whatever that looks like to be male and female in the kingdom uh, is not the patriarchy that we've experienced in the West up to this point. Now, you know, we could then talk about the way that that gets manifested in other parts of the world. And I don't want to pretend that patriarchy is like always the same everywhere and that everyone experiences it the same because there are places where women benefit from it um, to the detriment of, of people of color and minorities. And like, so I don't want to essentialize that, but male rule is generally what that's taken to me. That help? Yeah, that helps. Much. helps a lot. Yeah, it's really good. Particular, I think it's particularly helpful to note, and I I would concur with this that patriarchy is bad for everyone, right? Not yes. just women or marginalized or minority persons, but for men too. Yes. Yep. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't do good things for anybody. You mentioned Emily, um, you know, some of the artifacts of it. I mean, that that's a brilliant uh, exposition of it of of it. You know, as an idea. Um, right. But I think it's really helpful, like some of the some of the ways that my eyes have been open to the ways that I have unconsciously participated in it. Um, I shared er- on an earlier podcast that, you know, um, women have shared with me, do you realize how much you interrupt me? And I and I genuinely did not understand that I was doing that. But on upon reflection, realized, OK, I was part- unconsciously participating in, yes. in a in a, a patriarchal structure, basically a, yeah. a social arrangement that I didn't right. realize I'd been trained into. Um, and you mentioned, you know, in a job interview being asked about, um, you know, your ability to perform the job, you know, while being a mother. Whereas as a man, I've, I've, I have four kids and I've never been asked that question in a job interview, right? right? That, you know, like, hey, you've got four kids. That's a lot of kids. Can you do this job as an, and be a father? Right. So th- that's, a, that's a good example of a, an artifact, you know, of, of patriarchy that you've encountered. Um, I, I think it'd be helpful to hear, well, like, what are some of the other things that, that you've encountered that have, have sort of, that you can tell us, like, yeah, this is another artifact. Here's another one. Here's, you know, some of those things yeah. that you encountered. I, I want you to tell the story, lovely, um, <laughs> about uh, the mansplaining that happens to you on a regular basis. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I could pick just one story. <laughs> but, like, I mean, since I started higher education, it doesn't matter who I'm talking to or the context I'm speaking in, even if I'm the person in the room who's been invited there to speak on a area of expertise that I have. Generally speaking, men explain things to me. <laughs> <laughs> they, they think I don't know. And, or they think that the reason Well, you I- see, Emily, the reason they do that is because... <laughs> Like that, you mean like that? Men explain things to me, even Mm. even in a doctoral seminar, surrounded by peers that were all in the same class, reading the same books. They will explain to me what it means to be an evangelical, (laughs) even though they know I was converted to Christ in evangelicalism. Like I am an evangelical, and they're explaining to me what that is, or um, you know that that the reason why I disagree with them on a certain subject must be because I haven't read X, Y, or Z. Well, you just need to read such and such. Mm. Or you clearly haven't read First Timothy 2. I cannot tell you how many times 
people tell me that. Well, <laughs> right. have you clearly haven't you read it. the Bible? Yeah. Um, yeah. There's an assumption that I just don't know enough hmm. and that I, that I don't know things. Um, another, like that's a small, that's like an interpersonal sort of thing, but there's also systemic things. When I was doing my PhD, there was no policy to deal with a pregnant graduate student. <laughs> there was no structure in place yeah. for female bodies in their graduate programs. What do you do with a student who's having a baby? There was no option. There was no maternity leave. There was no uh, protections for someone in my situation. So I you know, had a baby over the summer and three weeks later I was back in the classroom because I had two choices. I could take an unpaid leave of absence or I could, or all three choices, I could quit, take an unpaid leave of absence or keep going. Yeah. And I chose to keep going because you don't walk away from a PhD program when you're funded. Um, so that, I mean, that's a systemic thing. Right. There was no way for me to get a closer parking pass as a pregnant woman or as a woman with an infant that I was taking to the school with me. There was no, they did not care. There was no mechanism that would help me be a, a woman in a woman's body in, in that program. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, the men tended when I would like push that issue, the response was, well, you're looking for special treatment. Yeah. No, I'm looking for you as an institution to actually want to include women, body, soul, mind, all of it, not just for me to become a man in function so that I can then have the privilege of participating in this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, that's a systemic thing. And it was also systemic at the local church level. Like I was allowed to teach classes in the evening hmm. in the Sunday school classrooms to, to, men, and to women. men and women at Sunday night, but I couldn't stand up behind the pulpit on Sunday morning and read scripture or, or stand in front of a classroom on Sunday morning and hmm. teach a mixed group. <laughs> And I no wonder, one said wonder, why that was, but we all know why that was. Well, I wonder if it's because in the evening men are less easily deceived. Is that what it is? <laughs> they've been in prayer long enough in the day to yeah. protect their heart and yeah, soul. They, yeah. they, they've, they've girded up their loins sufficiently by 6 p.m. Oh. Yeah, no, I get I get it, Emily. I'm, I'm making light of a situation that's probably not as funny to you as it is to <laughs> Well, you have to laugh about it or else. I mean, women have been having to laugh about this for a long time. Yeah. Because if we don't, we're just angry all the time. So one of the things that, <laughs> yes, and uh, men can afford to be angry, but women right? can't. No, it costs right. you a lot more. Angry men are passionate. Angry women are bitches. Yes. So women can't afford to be angry. Right. Which does wrecks havoc on their emotions and their bodies. They, le they learn to disassociate themselves from their emotions, mm. to stuff it, to quiet their voice. I mean, these are the things I'm hearing and reading about. And it's awful, right? So we have a different script for anger, right? Oh, he's just a passionate guy. He just really cares about things. Mm -hmm. How much, what's wrong with her? Gosh. Yeah. You know what I mean? She's such, right. a, such yep. a bitch. Or like, do people tell you to smile? I tell, ben, I tell Ben to smile. Like <laughs> <laughs> tell your face, tell your face I, that you're, you're happy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, random people tell me to smile or tell my girls to smile. What? Ooh. Yes, because we, we've been socialized into believing that women exist for the benefit of men. Men want to think you're happy. You're prettier when you smile. You should smile more. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 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 Yeah, guys, this is what I live with. Hmm. Like, um, and I don't mean this in a, in a bad way, but like, so being, so I 
of the two of us, I am the emotional one. Hmm. I wear it on my sleeve. Mm-hmm. I am I am touched to the core by things. And I will weep at a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Man, I would just... And she is a stone cold rock. <laughs> She's not affected by nothing. That's not true. It's not true at all. Sounds really good thing that I had. Um, but I'm I, just much more selective about when I let myself feel those things. Mm. True, but man, I will. I mean, it's funny because mm. our kids will even be like, "Boy, Dad's gonna cry at this." You know, <laughs> they just laugh about it. You know, yeah. yeah. But, but, but like, so being a part of that, and like hearing her tell those stories it's crushing to me Hmm. like so one growing up with a single mom right knowing that she had to take certain paths to exist um it has affected the way that i see and or treat women Hmm. my mom was my mom and i were both physically and verbally abused by my stepdad and and i don't want to be a part of that yeah right um, I don't, I don't want to, to subjugate women. I don't want to be the kind of person that, that oogles and ogles and like, Oh, that's just not the kind of, that's like not the kind of, them. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be that kind of a guy. Yeah. And so at the same time, learning from her about, like you said, um, Cernke, about things that I do, um, helps me to be, to be more aware yeah. Um, so it, it, it's crushing that, you know, she'll come home and she'll say, you'll never believe what such and such said today or what, you know, that this happened. And I'm just like, I, I just can't like hearing it and, and living into it. It's just so um, it can, it can become more frustrating each day. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're navigating a, a cultural, a, church, a Christian cultural landscape you know, right now where every week, every month, there's a new uh, church pastor. Sometimes there are large church pastors who have skeletons in their closet of misusing their power and authority with women, right? Having inappropriate sexual relationships with them. And it's, and women are feeling increasingly feeling increasing permission and safety to name these things, some things that have happened decades before. So we live in this culture where this has always been happening, men in power abusing it, uh, and abusing men too, but also like uh, sexually abusing women. Now women are feeling more and more freedom to talk about it. And there's this now renewed conversation happening of how do we prevent this from happening? Mm. Right? How do we prevent... Right. Men empower to take advantage of women without empower. And there's this impulse, Emily, I want to get your take on this. There's this impulse to redouble our efforts to create boundaries and rules and necessities that would prevent this kind of sin from happening. Because it's still about protecting the man's public image, right? Mm. That's what it's still about. How can we prevent this so that so that he isn't shamed, that his reputation isn't affected? That it's still about him. It's still about him. Right. I mean, so what you're describing is an attempt to then shore up an already failing structure. So we've yeah. been operating within this failing structure of patriarchy, like trying our best to modify it, right? And and change it so that it's more more safe and 
more life-giving, all that kind of stuff. But we are still committed to this established structure mm-hmm. of leadership as hierarchy over, as power over mm-hmm. others. And so what can we do to make that safer for people that are having to live within it? Instead of questioning the structure at itself mm-hmm. and saying this entire way of envisioning leadership, of envisioning church is bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's wrong to the core. This is the opposite of what Jesus said. Like when he said, the Gentiles rule over each other, it should not be this way among you. And we've just sort of pushed that aside and said, yeah, well, we know that like in our modern post-capitalist environment, like we have to use these business models to like make the church function and work as an institution. And so we're going to go ahead and baptize these models and say they're Christian. Now let's figure out a way to keep women and children safe within those models and not question the models themselves. And what you're saying is Hmm. women and children will never be safe in those models. Well, I mean, let me just say this. There's risk in any situation, right? Sure. In any in any model, in any institution, because sin lives within us. It's in our bodies. Mm-hmm. And so there'll be predators anywhere we go, mm-hmm. anywhere you go. But the question is, are there are there better and worse ways of constructing our institutions and our our, our life together yes. um, so that we we create a, an environment where it's um, it's easier to follow Christ, mm-hmm. like in a real genuine way and submit ourselves to him. Um, and to one another. And I think the answer to that is yes, there are better and worse ways to do that. So what I see from my from my place, just as a as a dude, um, I see that I if I follow the the script, right? So Mike Pence is getting a lot of uh, like publicity about him follow you know, it's called the Mike Pence rule now, where he doesn't have he's not alone with a woman ever. Which really it's the Billy Graham rule, right? So there's this right. sense in which I need to protect women and myself from the possibility of sin by state by by having really strong boundaries in our relationship and one of those includes that we're never alone together here's what i here's my suspicions about that i'm actually underselling this because i'm i could rant about this for 20 minutes but my suspicion about this is that this may prevent me which it doesn't do a very good job but it may prevent me once in a while from acting on sin so it may keep me away from certain kinds of sin with certain kinds of people but staying away from sin doesn't actually help me get closer to love. No. Uh, so that's for me. And then for for women and for men and women, if I have power and I I separate myself from a woman, like there's a sense in which she's never let into any kind of circle in these hierarchies where she can actually have not just responsibility, but actual authority and power because all the men are busy protecting themselves from her. Right. Yeah. And right. then, it's still, the woman is still objectified. The woman is a sex object that is a threat to men. And the man is still treated like an uncontrollable sex fiend that it, unless he's got all these barriers up, he can't control himself. It's detrimental to what we expect men and women to be and who they are. It, it's beneath our dignity to treat men and women in this way. Oh, dang. It's beneath our dignity. Yes. Um, because in that environment, women are, 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 are treated as the sum total of their sexual existence. Like they yes. are sexual beings that are a threat to men, first and foremost, rather than human beings, sisters in Christ. Yes. And so the problem is not keep the sexual objectification of women, just demarcate a spot where they can no longer, they can't go past this point. 
the answer is to stop objectifying women, stop seeing women in terms of their bodies as sex objects for men's pleasure and enjoyment Mm -hmm. and see them as fully human beings. Yes. Yes. It takes a tremendous amount of repentance to even begin to see that. I think that's the mountain we're climbing. So I don't know if you have any ideas, Emily, like how do we do that? Like, yeah. if if the gospel is true, if God is reconciling us in his body through the cross, and this reconciliation isn't just about me having the Jesus tinglys inside my belly, but it's also <laughs> about tearing down walls of hostility and dividing between uh, Jews and Gentiles, but also be- between male, female, mm-hmm. and barbarian, and uh, uh, Scythian, slave, and free person, how do we begin? So, if that's true, Christians should have something to offer the world about what it looks like for men and women to be friends. Right. We should, we should, the reconciliation we're experiencing in our participation in Christ's death and resurrection should be able then to be a gift for the world. Mm-hmm. So how do yeah. we move from objectifying women, protecting men, keeping them separate, not having, we, the worst thing that could happen is the dude in power gets, uh, um, has false charges brought against him. I mean, that's what I'm hearing right now. The war, like who you know, in this environment, like who mm-hmm. you know, are you aren't you scared somebody's gonna like accuse you of whatever? And I'm like, well, anyway, that's another rant. <laughs> but like, how do we get past being scared to death of having someone potentially besmirch our reputation and actually move into being friends, redeemed friends who can offer something of worth to the world? How do we do that? So I know you asked this to her. But one of the things that, that we have to do as men is begin the process of calling other men to account. Hmm. For instance, it is my responsibility to not just stand up for my wife, not just to stand up for my girls, but to stand up for your wife and your girls when, uh, and, and other women when other men interrupt them and say, hey, Tom, Stop interrupting. You're doing this a lot. Stop it. And for me to say to to men on the street, you know, whenever they catcall, say, you are objectifying women and it's really horrible of you. Stop it. I have to be strong enough as a man to begin the process of calling other men to account for ways that they are living into this broken system. That's the Mm -hmm. first thing that has to happen. Mm -hmm. I have to do that because like you said earlier, when she does it, she's a bitch. Mm -hmm. When I do it, I'm passionate and angry. (laughs) So it's my responsibility. It's my responsibility. I know we're not talking about about, about race and and, and injustice, but it's my responsibility to point out to my white friends Mm -hmm. when they're being racist. It is my job. It's not my black friend's job. Mm -hmm. It's not my Hispanic's friend's job. It's not my gay friend's job. It's my job to say, you are being homophobic. Stop it. It's my job. Mm-hmm. I have to be the one that steps up and tells a stranger, hey, please don't tell my daughter to be beautiful or to smile. That's not her job. That's not your job. That's not what it is. It's my job as their father to remind them that they are beautiful and creative. It's my job not to say, oh, you look beautiful in that. It's, it's my job to say, you are strong. I love to see your creativity. Second thing I think that we have to do, 
We have to give them an imagination, them meaning women and girls. We have to give them imagination. One of the things that Emily and I were talking about is that it was hard for her to imagine being a priest until she was given the opportunity to do it. And others in our parish said, wow, God is calling you and affirming you. And then she says, huh, I think you're right. Mm. My girls have to see women preaching to have that imagination. Yes. It's hard to imagine something that you've never seen. Yep. Yep. One thing that she and I, Emily and I are walking through is the simple fact that a couple that we're connected to, she feels called to the priesthood. He is called to the diaconate. And they said, wow, as a married couple, can, a, can the wife be the priest and the husband a deacon? <laughs> and I say, yes, you've just never seen it. You don't have an imagination created yet to see and envision that. So for us being a co-pastoring team, one, we hadn't seen it. So we talked to other people like, hey, how did you do it? Hmm. What does that look like for you? And everyone said the exact same thing. We lived into our gifts and functions. We talked about it. We have great communication. We say, hey, this is what I feel like, or this is what I think, or, yeah. you know, and yeah, I mean, there are bumps. There's no doubt about that. But we, but we have to do, for, for, men have to step up and call other men to account, and we have to give them a vision of what it could look like. Hmm. So, adding to the calling to account, one of the things that was, I think, really helpful at our church is that we would have conversations, women with men in our church, and we would just talk about our experiences. Yes. And the men would simply listen to their wives and their friends hmm. tell the stories. Let me tell you the story real fast. <laughs> hey, Ron, as a, as a hey, Ron, hey, Ron, Ron, I'm going to take your advice, and I'm going to tell you that you need to let your wife finish what she was going to say. <laughs> Fair enough. I heard <laughs> I'm totally joking, man. I'm totally joking. But, um, (laughs) you know, so he, so for example, um, he came to lunch with me, my office at the job I used to have was all women. And he came to lunch with us and we all sat around and had lunch together. And there were, I think four or five women and him. And every single woman at that table had a story about being sexually assaulted, raped, um, someone exposing themselves to them. Mm. Um, and not just one story, like multiple stories. And he was like, he was sitting there and he just said out loud, I had no idea how prevalent this was. Mm. Like I knew that women have these stories. I had no idea that this was such, that this was such a normal thing. And so we started, I mean, we didn't do it on purpose, but we started having more of those conversations with men in our church. We would be at church functions and the women would start sharing some of these experiences and sharing um, struggles that we have. And the men would just listen and then, and, and then, and then speak back to us about the things that that was teaching them about their own lack of awareness. I know people don't like the word privilege, but privilege in the sense that they haven't had to deal with that sort of stuff before. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that deepened the friendships within the church too, because now the men are beginning to understand where where we're coming from. I don't feel the need to protect myself from them. They're not trying, they're not seeing me as a a threat anymore. They're seeing me as like a fully human being who's just trying to live 
freely as a woman in the world. Mm. Um, and it, it helped those friendships too. Ron, that says something uh, about you. It says something about you that you would listen and can listen. Mm. Um, I think that but what Ben and I are discovering is that we suck at listening. Um, <laughs> like, 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 no, we do. I mean, I, my default isn't to listen to you, to understand you. It's to like use what you're saying to give me a chance to riff on what I want to talk about. Yeah. Or, you know, I don't have, uh, Dallas Willard says, I don't, we, most of us don't have ears to hear. We have ears to sort. And so in, even in the best conversation, I'm just filtering what you're saying through my already existing frames and grids in order to not have to actually change my mind about anything. Right. And so like I've been in situations, Emily, where that's been happening and, and guys are like, but don't you think it's just a natural outcome of like our hypersexualized culture? And this is why porn is so bad. And honestly, women don't realize how tempting their bodies are. You know, I mean, I've, I've heard guys say that like, yeah, yeah, it's bad, but actually it's, it's kind of your fault. And uh, let's blame sort of the larger culture at large. And this is why we need better purity. You know what I mean? Right. And so it's like, it's kind of your fault. It's kind of the culture's fault. This is why uh, you need to not let your body be a temptation to me. Right. And, and that's not listening. That's like taking what you said and, and sort of reifying our already existing frame that actually creates the conditions for these things to keep happening. Yes. Well, but that's, that's the easier thing to do. And we do that in conversations about race too, right? Yes. I mean, we, it is such a threat to our narrative that we're telling about ourselves. And most, <laughs> most white Americans, male and female, have a narrative of innocence that yeah. we have to preserve. And so stories of minorities, they're telling us what they're experiencing, the injustice that they're dealing with. We have to find a way to explain that so that we can maintain our innocence in the situation mm-hmm. and keep the narratives that we've committed to. And it works the same way with, with women's stories. It's yes. much easier to just explain away your experience or blame it on you or, or whatever than to try to reconstruct. And it's scary to reconstruct this stuff because you yes. say, well, how do we do this? How do men and women be friends in a way that's not detrimental I'm not really sure. Yeah. How do we how do we do male and female and in a world where men aren't assumed to be the the you know the pinnacle? How do we right. do that? Yeah. I don't know. Um, we're gonna have to figure that out. <laughs> well, yeah, we do. And maybe yeah. we need to have an, we need to have you guys back on because uh, this has just been riveting for for us. Totally. And we're running out of time. But mm-hmm. Emily, I, I just am struck with like you know Ron and Ben and I as white men. We've got like at least two sort of identity signifiers that put us at the top where we don't actually have to run into these these obstacles or walls or problems created by what you named earlier as patriarchy. Um, and, you know, Emily, you're white, but as a woman, like you're running into this stuff all the time. And so you develop, you have developed competencies mm-hmm. and ways of navigating and listening that we need, like like we need to learn that. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's your responsibility to teach me that, but like, I just want you to know, value greatly your voice and your wisdom mm-hmm. uh, in this conversation and the church. I'm so glad you're at Wheaton. They're so blessed to have you. Uh, and and uh, we, we need that, right? Mm-hmm. We need somebody who can stand at the intersection of, of this culture and, and call guys like you are into a more faithful posture. So, Amen. Thank you. And yes. Ron, I, I did shut you down earlier, and we were out of time. <laughs> uh, but I was just taking your advice, brother. 
She, she told the story that I was going to tell, so it was perfect. Amazing. Right. I read his mind. Oh, yeah. You guys are so sick. up. scary. Well, yeah. you, guys are, uh, you guys are awesome. We love you. Thanks yes. for being here. Thanks for sharing this story. Um, God bless you in Chicago. And uh, I'm excited to hear about how this this next season takes off. Um, and you'll have to, maybe you can start a blog, Ron, like Adventures in Being a Professor's <laughs> Husband. Professor's <laughs> Husband. Yeah, no one, you know, no one invites me because I'm primary caregiver for our kids. I don't get invited to Mom's Day Out. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I don't know why that is. <laughs> Parents Day Out. All right. All right. All right, guys. All right, guys. So good to chat with you. Peace. We love you. Peace, friends. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. If you found it helpful, please let us know by leaving a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you review podcasts. You can also email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com to ask a question or suggest a topic for a future episode. And join our online community for free at gravityleadership.com slash join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles that we found interesting or helpful in our work as local pastors and practitioners of discipleship and mission. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com slash join. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.